Good evening again, and welcome to Carmelite Conversations on Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. This this particular program, we're going to pick up on the uh, series we've been doing on the Holy Face. And I have to caution everybody, even as Francis and I were discussing this in the studio here this evening, uh, we realized that there is just so much, Francis, such a wealth of material on this devotion that I don't know that we're going to get through it all this evening. What do you think? <laughs> I don't want to shortchange anything, so let's see where uh, the Holy Spirit leads us. No, I don't either, and I think um, we'll uh, we'll uh, sort of let the Holy Spirit take our hand and guide us through this, but um, I think it's fair to say that as you and I have spent the last many weeks sort of unwrapping this devotion, we've discovered a wealth of um, not just um, spirituality, but I think it's fair to say a very... Um, uh, much Carmelite spirituality in um, in the teachings in the Holy Face, despite the fact that uh, there are certainly other uh, members in the history of the Church who have picked up and carried this mission forward. It does seem to have a very unique Carmelite flavor to it. Absolutely, and a great remedy for our times, this day, this age, right now. I think that's what's most critical, and I think what what grabbed me the most was, in fact, that very point that uh, it seems so timely for the challenges that the church and we as individuals are facing now. And, of course, the centerpiece of this devotion is prayer. So why don't we go ahead and begin with prayer? All right. This is a prayer of St. Therese of the Child Jesus and the Holy Face to the Holy Face. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. O Jesus, who in thy bitter passion didst become the most abject of men, a man of sorrows. I venerate thy sacred face, whereon there once did shine the beauty and sweetness of the Godhead. But now it has become for me as if it were the face of a leper. Nevertheless, under those disfigured features, I recognize thy infinite love, and I am consumed with the desire to love thee and make thee loved by all men. The tears which well abundantly in thy sacred eyes appear to me as so many precious pearls that I love to gather up in order to purchase the souls of poor sinners by means of their infinite value. O Jesus, whose adorable face ravishes my heart, I implore thee to fix deep within me thy divine image and to set me on fire with thy love that I may be found worthy to come to the contemplation of thy glorious face in heaven. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Francis. That's a great way to start, a great prayer to draw us into this conversation about the Holy Face. And I want to reiterate uh, for our listeners, we know there are many people uh, out there. I've come across them, Francis. We've seen some traffic on email and so forth uh, that indicate that there are many people who have great devotion Uh, to the Holy Face and have sort of captured the spirit of this uh, particular devotion. And we want to have those people feel free to join us in the conversation, sharing their own perspective, uh, experiences you may have had, victories you may have had. Um, In one of the texts that we'll mention again this evening that we've mentioned in the past, there are uh, a number of pages of folks who've written in uh, to the current uh, association of the Holy Face to indicate uh, some of their very positive experiences with these prayers and with this devotion. So we want to leave people that opportunity. Francis, let's do just a little bit of backtracking because, in fairness, we've sort of um, weaved the series on the devotion to the Holy Face in the 
um, context of some other programming that we've been doing uh, for uh, uh, different reasons, but nonetheless, we want to make sure that we sort of level set the uh, table on uh, on where we are and, and encourage our listeners, as we always do, uh, to look in the archives of the previous uh, programs if they are interested in the specific subjects that we've covered. Which can be found at www.radiomaria.us mm-hmm. under Programs, Carmelite Conversations. Exactly. Well, So let's begin with that. Just quickly, um, the, the history here, uh, we have contended, and, and really this is the uh, teaching uh, as it's come down to us, that this devotion really started where, Francis? Well, we said Veronica. With Veronica. With the true image when uh, uh, she wiped the face of Jesus on the way of the cross. And, of course, you said in the program just before last uh, broadcast that uh, it is your contention that Veronica is a Carmelite, I think you said, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, we... because she contemplated the face of Christ. Look at that. I mean, there she you had go. that cloth uh-huh. right there. And of course, she saw him face to face. What's better than that? <laughs> well, we'll accept that. Uh, and of course, it was then uh, brought back into the church. I'm going to make uh, this uh, uh, argument, and then we'll wrap this um, uh, story in at the end. So you have to listen to the end of this particular program to hear the full story. But I want to make the argument that um, the institution of the devotion to the pace of Christ actually began before Veronica. I think this is going to be so incredible. <laughs> well, well, we'll leave that until the end. In fact, if any of our callers want to uh, call in and uh, offer their... Uh, uh, guess as to what it is that we're referring to. Certainly feel free to do that. There's no right or wrong here. Yeah, uh, but my jaw dropped when I read your notes, <laughs> <laughs> so don't miss it. <laughs> Stay tuned. <laughs> well, uh, of course, in the history of the church, it, this was uh, introduced, and we did this in an earlier program, Sister Mary of St. Peter, a Carmelite of Tours, uh, received uh, revelations from our Lord asking for devotion to his holy face in reparation both for the sins of blasphemy uh, and sins for uh, the profanation of Sunday or the abuse of our devotion on Sundays. That's where it began in eighteen mid-1840s. We do know, of course, that, and and we're going to spend a fair amount of time uh, talking about Therese, but we know that actually Sister Mary of uh, St. Peter uh, died fairly young, but the devotion was really picked up and carried on in another program that we did, uh, the holy man of Tours, Leo DuPont. Right, and Leo DuPont was the one who kept this devotion alive because he had an image of the holy face um, before which he kept a candle burning, and he would distribute the oil from this oil lamp to other souls, and he would pray with them in his parlor. And there were great miracles. Oh, my goodness. When you read this this book, The Holy Man of Tours, The Life of Leo DuPont, it is amazing what this man did, um, which led to um, a, a private devotion to the Holy Face at that time. Right. Very private because there had been no brief from the Pope at that time. Uh, but before Leo died, of course, he, he was able to see uh, the manifestation, the, the final uh, acknowledgement of the um, the Vatican for the devotion through the brief that was issued by the yeah. Pope. Four bishops later, 30 years later, yeah. and after he is like at the very end of his life, already losing his ability to write the letters, uh, and yet this devotion is 
privately known through many, many countries and many testimonies. He kept record of them all. Right. What a devotion of patience, uh, uh, of fortitude in in, uh, waiting and knowing, uh, one, that he had to wait for the church, and two, always acknowledging Sister Marie of St. Peter as the real uh, impetus behind this. He was just the carekeeper, he called himself, or the caretaker uh, of this devotion. What, what a, a what man a, of great humility. Yes, great humility. You said it. took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> well, so then that brings us some 30 years later to the birth of Therese, another great Carmelite, uh, who picks up this devotion. Now, the story here is really one of, uh, of significance for Carmelites because uh, it, it strings together so much of what we Uh, know and appreciate about our great Therese. But I want to read this one quote from Mother Agnes of Jesus, Therese's older sister, putting things uh, somewhat in context, I think. However tender, she says, was the devotion which St. Therese, my sister, if we were to use subtext here, my sister, St. Therese, had for the child Jesus, it cannot be compared to the devotion that she had for the Holy Face. Now, Francis, I know you did some additional work uh, beyond what I had done in preparation for this uh, particular broadcast. Um, and I'd like to, to move into that fairly quickly because uh, I suspect we're going to spend a good deal of our time on that this evening. Um, say a little bit about where uh, Therese uh, uh, came by. Of course, we know that she read Sister Marie of St. Peter's uh, own a biography which was edited by Father Hanvier. Yes, but before that, uh, let me say this, um, because I believe she read that book. I think that was given to her once she entered Carmel. Correct. Um, however, the the Confraternity of the Holy Face began in the year 1848 from mm-hmm. Leo DuPont's work. And it was um, on April 26th, 1885, so many years later, um, that uh, Louis Martin and his five daughters were all enrolled Therese's into father. the confraternity. Yes, yep. and so and that's on record. I have a friend of mine who actually wrote and asked about that, and they say yes, they are enrolled in this confraternity. confraternity. And so it is Pauline. This is Therese's second mother, her her sister, but uh, Pauline, who was now taking the role of mother. Uh, uh, talking to her, um, and so she's writing about um, Therese, and this is what Therese is saying. She says, Until my coming to Carmel, I had never fathomed the depths of the treasures hidden in the Holy Face. It was through you, dear mother, and she's speaking of Pauline, that I learned to know these treasures. And so uh, Pauline is going to introduce, and this is where she comes in, to learn about Sister Marie of St. Peter. If you want to talk about their similarities here. Yeah, there, there were many similarities I think are important. Of course, there's the obvious one. They're both Carmelites. Um, they're both um, French. They're French heritage. Uh, they both had great devotion to the child Jesus. Actually, uh, Sister Marie of St. Peter uh, began, much like Therese, with a great devotion to the child uh, Jesus. And in fact, uh, saw it as, uh, in part, her mission uh, to care for the child Jesus. And this was the way she uh, uh, sort of practiced her individual devotion before the Lord spoke to her uh, regarding the need for the institution of the devotion to the Holy Face. They each wrote an act of abandonment. Each of them wrote this individual, uh, very deliberate act of abandonment to the Lord's will, 
and of course Therese uh, did this uh, uh, on her own. It wasn't a consequence of, I think, having seen uh, Sister Marie's because they're very independent. They're both available to us and we can read them. Of course, the devotion of the Holy Face and the fact that they both lived in their individual times when there was a great threat to the church of both blasphemy and in Therese's case, most especially um, the growth of atheism that had spread uh, throughout uh, certainly uh, France, but even uh, beyond the borders of France. And so they were responding to the uh, political and economic and cultural influences of their time. And the devotion was given to both these Carmelites in a very significant way. Now, of course, with uh, Sister Maria of St. Peter, it was through um, actual revelations and and mystical <coughs> visions. Mystical visions, right? In fact, yes. Therese says when um, her older sister gives her the book, which is largely the biography, uh, uh, autobiography that uh, Sister Maria of St. Peter wrote, um, she says, "Oh, but this is a great Carmelite. Uh, this is a, a a mystic of the Church." She says, "I couldn't possibly be um, uh, on a par with her." Uh, very much practicing uh, humility, Therese says, I couldn't possibly put myself uh, in, in the same sort of you know category, if you will, as Sister Marie. And I think it's interesting because, in fairness, in our day and age, if we were to ask how many uh, people know Sister Marie of St. Peter, uh, the Carmel of, uh, Carmelite of Tours, I think we'd get many blank stares, right. as opposed to the ones who clearly know about Therese. But, but I make this argument, and I could certainly be wrong. I'll, it, it's not a... Um, a factual thing it's more uh, a perspective but i think we can't really understand therese unless we understand sister maria of st peter and it's largely because of her devotion to the holy face sister maria of st peter wrote a biography very similar uh, to therese's own story of a soul right and therese of course informed her own experience through the reading of that text in fact yes. she spent hours with it uh, but the centerpiece of that text was this devotion to the Holy Face. So let's pick up with that uh, theme, Francis. You've done uh, some nice research, I think, on uh, understanding how Therese responded to this uh, devotion. Well, I I think it's interesting to note uh, one further common element here, and that would be Leo DuPont. Even though we don't have anything written that says she knew of Leo DuPont other than her association in the confraternity, I mean, he was well-known all over France. So... Also, reading about his life helps give us more character into the fullness of this devotion that Therese would have been introduced to and that Pauline would have taught her. And then, you know, we say Therese didn't have, you know, a whole lot of mystical experiences, and yet she had that one experience where she saw this figure and the face was somewhat veiled and and she was quite young when she saw this and, and yet it stuck with her and she couldn't quite understand it at that time however later on when her father louis um becomes mentally ill now it, it all plays out she's seeing that her father now is offering himself as the the, the divine victim the or the little lamb on the altar uh, one that he just re- purchased but of course he wouldn't have said this but she now is attributing this to him that you know he must have offered himself as the victim on this altar and and given his you know his, his mind his body uh, everything and as he was losing his mind this is a great trial for all of the sisters all of the family 
And so this, of course, just really um, embellishes what Therese knows about the Holy Face devotion because she is very emphatic about thinking of this image of Jesus with the eyes downcast. And I thought this was so beautiful because she says it's as if if he had opened his eyes, we would peer through his eyes into his soul because the eyes are the window to the soul and that the glory would be too much for us and we would be uh, we would we would die of joy and so he he has them downcast and it's like a veil was put there and so now she is living in with this veil of of the humanity of Christ before her and yet her faith is piercing this darkness i'm just so amazed <laughs> i have to say that um, I want to point this out because I don't come up with these ideas, Mark. You and I know we both do a lot of research. But the the article that I read, and I got it online, and so can you. So if you're really interested in this, I beseech you to please find this article. It's called The, the Holy Face in the Spirituality of St. Therese of Lisieux. And it's by a Donald Jacob, and I'm going to spell the last name, U-I-T-V. L-U-G-T. And it is an excellent article. And he makes this point that Therese frames her devotion of the Holy Face not so much in the terms of reparation like Sister Marie of St. Peter did or Sister Mary of St. Peter, but as imitation. Um, And I propose that it's even more than imitation. Be, hold that thought because okay. I, I want to leave our uh, listeners with a little bit of uh, <laughs> carrot. Uh, yeah, I carrot to, to hold on to. You brought up two very good points. The devotion to the Holy Face has two major themes as it was introduced and then reintroduced on a number of occasions uh, throughout the church. Veronica, we are we understand is uh, uh, of course where it was initiated. Um, and, and I've said, and we'll get back to it, it was actually initiated before that. But with Veronica, it was the suffering Christ. This was the suffering servant from Isaiah, oh, right? Yes, yes. This idea that we must recognize the sacrifice that Christ has made as manifested in his physical features as a consequence of the crucifixion, the scourging and the crucifixion. And so we, we acknowledge that um, um, aspect of the devotion to the Holy Face. The other, though, and that's us looking at Christ, the other aspect of it is his love looking back at us, right? It's his looking at us with those very features and acknowledging for us fallen humanity that he still loves us, that he's expressing his love, not only through his suffering, but as you said, through those veiled eyes, which are the avenue to his soul, we can see what it is that Christ is expressing in terms of his love for us. Now the third piece, which I think is critically important. Well, what I was going to say is that now it's not just in reparation or imitation, but I propose that it is by participation. Because as we have learned in so many of our conversations, God wants us to participate in his divine life. And 
I remember when we were doing the Dark Night of the Soul, you know, how all this suffering, and we're talking about reparation and suffering and darkness and purification, and yet all these elements are are ways that Jesus showed us to come to him and to participate in his divine life, whether we're trying to purify our own self or we're also trying to participate uh, by making reparation or offering suffering up for others so that they may gain grace. So um, now Therese is just leaping beyond, and she's participating, and she's showing us how. And, you know, it is in her book, Story of the Soul, that we find all this because, you know, here Jesus suffered, so now Therese is going to offer suffering. Jesus' face was hidden, so now Therese, she wants to become hidden from all creatures. And so this... Um, this devotion is connected with this suffering in a very concrete way. And through the example of her father, we can really um, come to understand how now Therese was going to see her father's suffering in his mental illness as God transforming her father after his own image. And again, it relates to that Isaiah suffering servant. Yeah, so it's uh, participation. I think an equally good word is imitation, right? We're participating in the in the well imitation, uh, but then beyond that, you know, because imitating is to follow, but participating is an act of involvement to me. Right. So to me, it's it's e- e- even more so. Yeah, I, I want to read just some of the uh, life of Saint Therese um, from the title "The Whole World Will Love Me." This was. Dorothy Scalin, who we, I think, had mentioned uh, some of her titles in the program we did, uh, Francis, on the, on the texts. Uh, I just want to quickly uh, quote some of the um, uh, work in here, uh, the dialogue between Therese and Sister Agnes. The devotion to the Holy Face, Therese says solemnly, yes, the devotion to the Holy Face, his, her sister is saying, yes, devotion to the Holy Face as a means of reparation for the unspeakable crimes of our age, atheism and the government. Now, here is a book that will tell you, and she's talking about Sister Mary of St. Peter's uh, biography. Read it, study it, her sister says, for it is a book that should make you a saint. You loved Christ's childhood. Now study his manhood and follow him right up to Calvary. You have it in you, she says. Therese, don't be afraid. You are too ordinary to reach the same... Don't be afraid that you are too ordinary to reach the same holiness which belonged to Sister Marie of of St. Peter. Uh, says Sister Agnes, the eldest Carmelite of the Martin family, as she initiated the youngest Therese into the secret of the Holy Face. I will read and study this book, Therese says. One more thing, Agnes says to her. I want to show you one other resemblance that exists between you and Sister Maria, uh, Sister Maria of St. Peter. What is that, Therese asks, your special attraction to the precious blood. And yes. I think that goes exactly in line, uh, Francis, with what you're saying. And, of course, we know her devotion to the precious blood. Um, well, that stemmed from when she saw that nail wound in his hand, that picture. Right. And she saw his blood spilling out, nobody picking it, cleaning it up. And, and she also invoked it, I remember, early on in her uh, Carmelite walk, when she prayed for Pranzini, right. the criminal who... Uh, up until his last moments, had not um, uh, been willing to see a priest. And, of course, Therese took him on as a special mission. Uh, and Therese prayed, offering the precious blood for the conversion of this criminal. 
And Sister Marie of St. Peter had a similar devotion to the precious blood. So I think this idea of participation that you bring up is is confirmed in Therese's own uh, reaction to the biography that she was handed by her sister. Yes, I'm not going to just see the suffering servant here. I'm not just going to see uh, the love, and I'm not just going to uh, imitate, but I'm going to participate in that, and my life will be a participation in what I in what I see before me in the face of Christ. And in this, it's our, our own challenge to each of us as we listen to this devotion to what can we do? What What is it in our own life that we can do to participate now in this Holy Face devotion? Well, I want to pick up on that theme when we come back from our break. A reminder that you're listening to Carmelite Conversations on Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. Our life, our sweetness, our hope. Hail, Holy Queen, Mother of mercy, our life, our sweetness, our hope. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived of the Holy Spirit. Hail, Holy Queen, Mother of mercy, our life, our sweetness, our hope. Hail, Holy Queen, Mother of mercy, our life, our sweetness, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it done unto me according to your word. Hail, Holy Queen, Mother of mercy, our life. Our sweetness, our hope. Hail, Holy Queen, Mother of mercy, our life, our sweetness, our hope. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Our life, our sweetness, our hope. Hail, Holy Queen, Mother of mercy, our life, our sweetness, our hope. Pray for us, Holy Mother of God, that we may be worthy of the promises of Christ. Hail, Holy Queen, Mother of mercy, our life, our sweetness, 
sweetness our hope. Hail, holy Queen, Mother of mercy, our life, our sweetness, our hope. Hail, Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Hail, Holy Queen, Mother of mercy, our life, our sweetness, our hope. Hail, Holy Queen, of mercy, our life, our sweetness, our hope. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our our hope. Hail, Holy Queen, Mother of mercy, our life, our sweetness, our hope. Well, welcome back to Carmelite Conversations on Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. Well, Francis, before we left on the break, we were uh, going through Therese's uh, devotion of the Holy Face, which I think we both discovered is much richer and deeper than uh, perhaps uh, some of the biographical sketches that we read of her, and of course there are many, uh, might give um, uh, adequate time to. So I want to stay with that theme, most especially because it's a Carmelite theme. And what's interesting um, is that we have Sister Marie of St. Peter in the mid-1840s, really. This is where the devotion um, is manifested to her by the, by our Lord. We have uh, Leo Dupont, who himself had a great devotion to the Carmel tours yes, and, and in to fact, the Carmelites. His whole work for the Catholic Church was after staring at a picture of St. Teresa of Avila. <laughs> right, right. He, he had a great uh, affinity to, uh, to the Carmelites and um, provided a great deal of support. He was a wealthy man himself and provided a great deal of support to the Carmel tours. Yeah. So he keeps it going. And then we have Therese. And now Therese, um, about 30 years later, roughly about 30 years later, after the uh, the passing of Sister Maria of St. Peter, Therese comes into the world. And then, of course, eventually we've read the story. She picks up uh, the um, uh, devotion uh, as handed on to her by her sister. Uh, and she then takes it to this new level that you talk about. Now, I want to go into uh, a little further. Um, it's... Uh, uh, role in her own abandonment, her own act of abandonment, her uh, her uh, act uh, to merciful love, the act of oblation to merciful love, um, and some of the other themes that you've isolated in the in the article that we've cited, uh, where Therese speaks about how to really live this out, and this is the challenge, isn't it? And yes. you know, in fact, we had a uh, an email this past week. 
uh, or somebody who wrote to our to our site saying, um, you know, it'd be it'd be very helpful uh, to continue on this theme of how do you live out the Carmelite life as a secular while in the world. I think that's really the theme, the central theme for this entire um, uh, program, uh, Carmelite Conversations, is to engage in a dialogue around how do we live out the Carmelite devotion for us as seculars in the world. And despite the fact that Therese may have lived behind the, car- the walls at Carmel, as do some of the other saints, many of the other saints that we uh, read about, they're giving us the same guidance and counsel uh, that, uh, that uh, is necessary and was necessary for them to be raised uh, to uh, the status of, uh, of the saints that we read about today. And this is certainly true with uh, Therese, and most especially, I think, true with the devotion of the Holy Face. Well, and of course, St. Therese, she's ordered to write, and it becomes the story of the soul. And of course, then this devotion now is going to go out throughout the whole world, and it's still going to get some emphasis, which we will approach later. But um, So it will go out throughout the world. But I want to interject real quickly so that we don't get to the end of the program and forget to say this. One very tangible way that we can participate in this uh, of course, we can offer the prayers. Uh, we can try to participate as Therese uh, taught us. Um, but a, a very simple, well-known way is what John Paul II told us, and, and this is his quote, to contemplate the face of Christ in union with and at the school of his most holy mother. And, of course, we think Carmel is very much the school of his holy mother. But to recite the rosary is nothing other than to contemplate with Mary the face of Christ. I'm like, oh, my gosh, when I read that, I was like, oh, wow, here we go. Mark, I can't hardly wait to tell you this. So, you know, contemplate with Mary the face of Christ as you pray your rosary tonight. Pick it up tonight. Pray it tonight. Offer the face of Christ, that coin of inestimable value that Therese offered um, to our Heavenly Father for the salvation of souls, for the end of um, communism, atheism, you know, sin, the end of sin, the end of sin, that's what I say. (laughs) You know, the Lord said to uh, Sister Maria of St. Peter that much like um, in a worldly kingdom, the face with the ruler on it is the currency, right? Right. Um, Here in the heavenly kingdom, we know the only currency is love. It's the only means of acquiring the gifts of the kingdom. Oh, good point. And, and the face of Christ is that currency. Why? Because that face is the manifestation of holy love, pure love, perfect love. Um, yes, uh, seen through his great suffering, but his suffering, uh, though we feel a compassion and we, we respond to it, our love is not simply one of a sorrow. Our love is one of victory. Our love is one of overcoming uh, the limitations and the struggles and the trials that uh, so oftentimes the world uh, brings to us. And in Christ's eyes, we'll see that compassion, we'll see that uh, overcoming, we'll see that strength. You know, you bring up this point, what does it mean to contemplate the face of Christ? In fairness, I think it would be presumptuous of anybody to tell somebody else, oh, here's what it means to contemplate the face of Christ. What it's saying, and I think what our, our uh, John Paul II, our former Holy Father, is saying is, you must engage in that one-to-one relationship with Christ. You must look into the eyes of your lover. Oh, you know, no yes. one would tell you how to respond to your spouse and looking at them. No one would tell you how to respond to your child, your parent. Um, you must take that time and look into the eyes of Christ and say, 
Christ, how do you find me today? How might I find you today? How do I seek your will? How do I uh, respond to the love that you're giving me? For Therese, in her writings, she's shown us what it meant for her. We each have to engage in a similar dialogue, discussion, conversation, but also, in fairness, intimate silence with our Lord so that we can seek his face. Oh, so beautifully put. Thank you, Mark. Well, I wanted to get back to this uh, devotion, uh, a sense of a paradox with Therese, because in this life it's necessary to undergo suffering, to view our Lord's face through a veil in order to be prepared to see him face to face in heaven. So suffering is a requirement. You know, we, we... Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So, you know, if he's going to go through his passion and he wants us to participate in his whole life, not just the the uh, public ministry, but, yes, the suffering, and also, by the way, <laughs> the glory. <laughs> the glory comes. Resurre- resurrection day does come. Um, so we must become like Christ in order to see him as he is. And so Therese... Um, she's writing to comfort Celine, who's still in the world, and she talks to Celine about, you know, using this image as heaven, as eternal face-to-face encounter with God. And as Celine takes care of her father and washes his face or gives him something to drink, that she's also doing this for souls and for Jesus in particular. And so Celine is really brought into this great devotion of this holy face as well. Therese actually wants Celine to be another Veronica. So here comes Veronica again, who's wiping away the blood and tears of her Jesus, of her beloved, so that she can win souls. So it's, it's when we do little acts of love for each other that we also do this, that we play the part of Veronica, that we wipe the face of Jesus. Well, and this is exactly what our Lord told Sister Maria of St. Peter when um, he asked for reparation to the Holy Face for what was occurring in the world at that time, blasphemy and the profanation of Sundays. These were affronts to his very face, to his church, but Christ is the head, and therefore it was to the very face of Christ uh, that these affronts were occurring, as they were occurring in Therese's time through atheism and so many other uh, uh, forms of... uh, uh, um, response, if you will, negative response to uh, the, the mission and the ministry of the church in the world. And so you're right, Celine's being called on a very uh, personal level. This um, uh, responsibility to care for her father is a perfect example, a perfect imagery of what each of us is called to do to make that reparation. Yes, we do it in prayer. Yes, we do it in imaging his face. Yes, we do it uh, by expressing our love and our devotion. But we also have the hands and the feet and the ability to uh, reach out and be that um, uh, Veronica for all of the people in our lives and to wipe away the bruises and the tears and the spittle and all of the other uh, affronts to Christ's face w- within the church. And that might be through your time, your talents, or your treasure. And, of course, we beg you, your prayers. And so Therese um, is asking Celine, you know, comfort our Lord in his agony. 
And But the apostolic aspect here is not just to comfort him in his agony, but to go even further and to uh, satisfy his thirst for souls, gain more souls. Oh, Therese was so big into this. In fact, her sister takes on this holy name in, in uh, Carmel as Sister Genevieve of the Holy Face. So here we have another one. And, of course, we know Therese goes on to make her profession her final profession as a Carmelite in um, 1890. And she um, uh, has having this conversation with um, <clears throat> another person about, you know, kind of the honeymoon of this marriage, the spiritual marriage. And, uh, you know, like, where do you want Jesus to take you? And she says, well, I have but one desire, that of being taken to the summit of the mountain of love. But when asked by Jesus to choose a route, she finds herself unable to tell him, you know, what she would choose. In fact, she says, well, only whatever you choose. And then this is what she says, quote, Then Jesus took me by the hand, and he made me enter a subterranean passage, where it is neither cold nor hot, where the sun does not shine, and in which the rain or the wind does not visit, a subterranean passage where I see nothing but a half Failed light, the light which was diffused by the lowered eyes of my fiance's face. And I'm thinking here, her trial of the uh, dark night of faith and her 18 months of the last 18 months of her life when she was struggling with tuberculosis and, you know, the great suffering and, um, you know, how, uh, how potent that was. There's even a whole book just written on that topic alone. And yet, Therese is seeing this as a gift, you know, because she's being conformed to his likeness. So, even though she doesn't know, um, she can't see the destination, she believes. She has faith, and she knows that they're advancing toward that place, even though she's in the underground. Kind of reminds me of when Teresa Vavala had that um, opportunity by the Lord to experience hell. You know, that subterranean passage of darkness. And, and this is, we know from so many of our um, programs on the study of the great saints of karma, we know that this dark phase of our relationship with our Lord is what brings about that purification. You know, we've said so many times, we aren't uh, made saints uh, despite the challenges and the, and the trials and the struggles that we face in our life, but in fact, we're made saints through those very challenges. And here, she's talking about entering that, and Christ's face is veiled to her, lightly veiled to her, but yet she can retain the uh, you know her own understanding of the image and what he's uh, done for her and what he's gone through, and that's what re- uh, keeps her, uh, you know, through these difficult times and keeps her uh, faith alive through the the struggles that she has to go through. And you know, she even does something really extraordinary. She takes uh, this very short little prayer, "Make me resemble you, Jesus," and she just writes it on a little card. On, on which she put a stamp of the holy face, and then she had it put in a little container that she had pinned and wore over her heart. And she mentions also this holy face in her famous, very famous act of oblation to merciful love. So, you know, you've got a twofold instance here. Here she's wearing this very little prayer. Um, on her heart, and then also this act of oblation to merciful love. And she says, since you love me so much 
as to give me your only son as my savior and my spouse, the infinite treasures of his merits are mine. I offer them to you with gladness, begging you to look on me only through the face of Jesus and in his heart burning with love. So there's the twofold devotion, the heart and the face. Well, she uh, certainly brings out for us uh, um, this um, you know, devotion in a very intimate way, a very personal way. She goes much deeper, I think, um, than either uh, Sister Mary of uh, St. Peter, who, of course, had limited time with the devotion itself, or even... Like five uh, years. Yeah. Uh, or even Leo, who had great devotion to it, but, again, saw himself as the, as the caretaker and the keeper of it as it was awaiting a Vatican approval. Therese really takes us deeper into that intimacy and, as you said, into participation. But something else occurs during the time of Therese, uh, Francis, and Sister Maria of St. Peter had sort of hinted about this. Uh, she said, um, soon, uh, one of the greatest events in history will occur, and she was referring, of course, to something after her death. Um, I'm going to test you and say, do you remember what this is? And the context of the Holy Face. Now, I'll take you back and say uh, the devotion of the Holy Face, of course, was with regard to Veronica and the veil. But something occurred in 1898 that gave us a new perspective on it. That would be the shroud, wouldn't it? Am, I, shroud am I guessing right? You got it right. Absolutely. Oh. <laughs> uh, well, actually, what happened is the shroud, of course, had been around for quite some time. But the shroud... Uh, was photographed in 1898 by a lawyer, an Italian lawyer, and the shroud itself being a perfect negative, when the photograph was taken, we got the positive image, and it brought a great deal of clarity to what was actually hidden in the shroud. Now, I don't want to get into the back and forth and the historical and scientific analysis that's ongoing about the shroud. If you uh, want that, go to www.shroud.com. Amazing website, shroud.com. Yeah, and, and it'll give you a lot of the... Uh, um, uh, insight on this uh, a debate. I think it's fair to say a debate. But many of the popes have acknowledged the significance of the image of the shroud. There have been debates about the carbon testing and so on and so forth. They're, they're interesting discussions, but I'd rather stay on the spiritual. The fact of the matter is the image that we more often now see that represents the holy face is, of course, the image from the shroud. Oh, yes. Uh, so whether our Lord is represented on the shroud or not, I think he intended that that face, and I personally believe, and I've read a good deal of the material, I personally believe the shroud is representative of the crucified Christ. Me too. Uh, but regardless, the face that is now available on cards and images and, and medals and so uh, many uh, forms is that image from the shroud. And so uh, the shroud in, in 1898 and, of course, uh, thereafter uh, gave us a very definitive picture of Christ. We had the veil, and now we've got this um, much more uh, objective and scientific uh, representation uh, of our crucified Lord, and of course, as I say, represented in so many uh, prayer cards and uh, and pictures that you can find now in any any Catholic bookstore. Right, and as as we uh, consider that, I, I don't want to gloss over two more wonderful things I learned about Therese and the Holy Face, and this was amazing. And you can see this um, online somewhere. Um, there is a chasuble that Therese painted. It's black, and it has this big cross on it, very fancy, with, guess what, lilies. <laughs> I think they're probably the number of, of souls in her family um, that were a particular importance to her. But anyway, in the center of this cross is 
a um, image of the holy face, which she painted on there. And I believe it's still in existence today that you can see it. But it was hand-painted by Therese, and it has the holy face image there. And then, of course, the other thing I wanted to point out is that she has a famous poem that, um, well, maybe it's not so famous, and it may be not be one of her best poems, but the point was that it was um, uh, a kind of a universal setting uh, of a love song from every heart who's fascinated by this holy face. The poem is My Heaven on Earth, and it's subtitled Canticle to the Holy Face. And so uh, when you have time, I encourage you to um, uh, go online and uh, you can get that. Um, and it's called My Heaven on Earth, Canticle to the Holy Face, which she says, "My your face is my only homeland. And, you know, if we just meditate on that, uh, you know, Teresa of Alva also told us to keep our eyes on Christ. And if you keep your eyes on Christ, he'll take you to heaven because that's where he's at. And he's waiting for us and he's uh, inviting us and he's encouraging us and he's showing us the way. So um, now we have this devotion to the holy face to really help us to get there and so i want to encourage you all to you know pick up some of these materials we've been talking about um the book by dorothy scanlon was called the whole world will love me um it is a um it's her writing um the words um but about the life of saint therese so you know it, it may not be exact quotes that therese said but uh dorothy scanlon had gleaned that from the letters and the the story of the soul and everything else, and wrote a wonderful biography of St. Therese. Yeah, one of the other books I would strongly recommend if you want to increase uh, your understanding and devotion to the Holy Face is a small uh, prayer book actually called The Treasure of the Holy Face of Jesus. And this, again, is available uh, from the Holy Face Association, which you can find online, holyfaceassociation.com. Uh, and this is the organization that's in uh, Montreal, Canada. Um, you can either call them. They have a number where you can uh, call to place orders, or you can uh, order various things online, including the medals, the scapulas, um, this particular book. There are a whole series of books. Every book that we've mentioned, in fact, is available uh, through that organization, as well as uh, um, uh, many of the uh, the peripheral books and, and devotions that we've mentioned. Uh, it's a great site. There are others that are dedicated to the Holy Face. There are uh, actual uh, communities that have been established and formed around the Holy Face, and we think uh, all of those are are uh, spreading the devotion at a time when uh, we've said, Francis, so many times on this uh, particular series, it's very important right now. It's not by accident we think that uh, this particular devotion uh, is again being gifted to the church uh, by um, the Holy Face Association and so many others who are spreading this devotion. There is a great deal of emphasis right now on the role of the church in society. Absolutely. And there are a great deal of threats uh, coming from this society, this culture, both, as I've said many times, political, economic, cultural. Um, and I think it's not uh, um, by accident that the this particular devotion seems to be gaining again such significant traction. Now, uh, one of the other main figures in perpetuating this devotion that we don't have time to cover this evening, though I think Francis will probably pick up uh, and do another uh, program on the Holy Face, is Mother Maria Perina uh, de Michelli. 
I probably mispronounced some portion of that, but um, this is a woman who in the uh, mid to late 1930s experienced much the same um, uh, uh, manifestation of Christ that Sister Marie of St. Peter did, um, and she picks up and carries on the devotion again at a time in our history when there were a great many threats to the church. Obviously, uh, we're talking about the time just before the Second World War. Uh, There is, again, the spread and the threat of uh, atheism across the globe. And so uh, uh, the, the church, as it always does, receives what graces and devotions it needs to respond to what's going on. And we want to pick up that story when we come back. Uh, on this particular series, and I promised you we'd still have one more um, um, piece to give this evening on this uh, particular devotion, where it really began. But I see, Francis, that you've got I notes. Want, I you, wanted to, to oh. thank some people for uh, writing us um, before I for, forget. Um, some people have been emailing us at our web, our email site, which is capital C, Carmelite, dot conversations at yahoo.com and others are um, uh, writing to us on our Facebook which is Carmelite Conversations so we want to thank Mary Ellen and Larry Betson thank you so much for uh, writing in we appreciate your comments your suggestions and we're taking them up and we look forward to more of you giving your feedback to us and helping us guide the programming of Carmelite Conversations we're hearing you loud and clear and um We're very excited about uh, this series that we're on right now, and I can't wait for the the fourth uh, uh, program in this series. Well, we are going to do one more program. I want to spend a little bit more time on the Shroud. There's actually some very interesting uh, material on the Shroud that we want to share with you from visionaries and others uh, more recent. We do want to pick up the story of Mother Maria uh, Perina de Michelli. That'll be big. Yeah, and there's a great deal of literature on her in the site that we reference. I want to do this one last thing before we pray, and that is where I believe the Holy Face really was instituted is found in St. Luke's Gospel, specifically Luke 22, 61 and 62, where it reads, And the Lord, now this is where Peter, uh, after having denied our Lord three times, and of course the Lord hasn't gone through the crucifixion at this point, though he was taken in the garden um, and has suffered at the hands of the guards, Uh, of the temple, and he's walking out into the courtyard, and Luke records it this way. After Peter had denied him, the Lord turned and looked at Peter, and Peter remembered the word the Lord, word of the Lord, how he had told him, before a rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. Looking into the face of our Lord, when we know that we've sinned, when we know we've fallen short of his expectations, and I ask you to imagine what Peter saw in that face, I contend he didn't see judgment. He didn't see just the suffering of Christ. He certainly didn't see anger. What he saw was the compassion of our Lord, knowing that even as he was about to enter his crucifixion, Peter was already entering his personal crucifixion, the recognition that he'd failed our Lord, as we all do. We're a fallen people. And instead of seeing condemnation, instead of seeing judgment, instead of seeing anger, Peter sees compassion, and that's what broke through that still hard heart, even with all the time he'd spent with our Lord. And that's where Peter's conversion really began. Yeah, and instead of choosing despair, he chose victory in Christ in the strength of our Lord. 
through his face. And so, Francis, yes. pray us out of this particular program. One program note next week, we will be uh, recovering a show that we've done before on Mary, and then we'll be picking up with the last in the series, The Holy Face, in the first part of June. Right. And so we're really grateful all of you joined us tonight. But let's end with prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O holy face of my sweet Jesus, by that tenderness of love and unspeakable grief with which the Blessed Virgin Mary beheld thee in thy painful passion, grant that our souls may share in that great love and great sorrow and fulfill more perfectly the holy will of God. Amen. Amen. God bless you. And thank you again from Carmelite Conversations on Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home.